This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I got an amazing product for my kings and queens who love some cannabis. I enjoy the occasional joint once in a while. And if you want to maintain the flower that you're buying, this is the product for you. Integra Specialty Products brings you plant-based solutions for top-tier cannabis storage and packaging with two-way humidity control packs. Ensure the freshness, potency, and quality of your cannabis with Boost plant-based solutions that only puts in pure water vapor into your dried-out buds. It's ideal for flower, pre-rolls, and edibles. They offer a harmonious balance of convenience and freshness. For more information, check them out at www.integra.com boost.com or at Integra Herbal on Instagram. Use code LOWLIFE at checkout for 15% off your next purchase online at www.integraboost.com. Hola, bienvenidos, buongiorno, mis amigos. Welcome one and all to a brand spanking new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, white wine drinking, talky finger licking, bone broth sipping, hot mess of a host, Lorenzo Von Rumpf. And I'm so happy to be here with you today. There is no place I'd rather be than right here with you in this very moment. I hope you're having a great day and a beautiful week so far. But if you're feeling a bit stressed out right now, if you're anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or you just feel like you're in a funk, totally normal. I get it. Because same. (laughs) But don't you worry. Don't you fret, boo. You have come to the right place. We're about to turn that frown upside down. I am so excited for this episode. I've been wanting to do a deep dive on this specific topic. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. It is so freaking good. Before we get into this week's very special true crime episode, let's talk about mental health. Nobody asked about my mental health score this week. On a scale of one to 10, one being bottom of the barrel, feeling like complete shit, a 10 is euphoric bliss. You're on cloud nine. You're feeling on top of the world. I'm definitely not there right now. I'm not a 10. I'm not a one either. I'm going to rate my mental health in this very moment with you a solid 7.2 out of 10. I'm just doing okay. Hanging in there white knuckle in it sometimes. <laughs> but luckily for me, I've been so busy with work. Thankful to be a booked and busy bitch. I've had so many different red carpets and photo shoots and a lot on my plate, but that's been a healthy distraction from what I'm dealing with in my personal life. I have some toxic relationships, some dysfunctional, hurtful moments that I've been having to process and deal with. But luckily for me right now, because I am so busy, I'm just putting that in a very special little box. And I'm not fucking with that until... Another time, (laughs) just compartmentalizing it. And then when I go to therapy and I have a little bit more time to process and deal with it, then I can dive into it and I'll be sharing more with you then. But as for now, I'm just keeping myself busy and it's a much needed healthy distraction. So I've been spending time with people that I love, people that are good for the soul. I've been actively trying to improve different aspects of my life. And the first one is my mental health. That is so important. And so One thing I've realized about myself, and I talked about it last week, and so many of you messaged me saying that you deal with this shit all the time too. I'm talking about procrastination. Do you procrastinate all the time? Is that something that you deal with on the regular? That's something I deal with all the time. Maybe it's because I have ADHD. Maybe it's because I'm easily distracted or suppressing some sadness that I haven't truly processed and dealt with yet. Or I don't know, it's a perfect combination platter of all those things, I'm sure. But I procrastinate and I hate that I procrastinate. And so I've been trying to put some steps in place 
to give myself a fighting chance so I'm not letting myself down. And that's the thing when it comes to procrastination. The only one you're really letting down is yourself. And so it's so important for you to build that relationship with trust with everybody in your life, your friends, your coworkers, your closest family members. But let's not forget about the relationship with you, trusting yourself. And I got to tell you, that relationship with myself has been a little rocky (laughs) because sometimes I don't trust my ass because I procrastinate and I let myself down. I'm really good at not letting others down because I am a people pleaser as well. And so because I have clients paying for my services, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to disappoint them. I make sure I'm going full throttle and I'll never drop the ball because they're depending on me. When it comes to my friends and family, I don't want to let them down either. I love them and I don't want to disappoint them. I want to keep them happy and I want to do good for them. And so, yeah, I don't drop the ball. I'm able to get from point A to point B. But when it comes to myself, I'm a bit depleted. I let myself down sometimes And it's a case-by-case situation because sometimes I'm so driven, I'm super motivated, and other times I'm dropping the ball and, again, disappointing myself, and then I beat myself up. That's where the negative self-talk comes in. And so I've been working through this, and now that I've done some work and put some steps in place and I've noticed an actual change in me, I got to share it with you. I got to share these little tips and tricks, these secrets to breaking the cycle of procrastination. So if you're dealing with that, I'm going to share three things that have actually been a game changer. And I know they will be a game changer for you because I've actually tried them. This is the perfect time to even bring this up right now because a lot of people have set New Year's resolutions for themselves and goals and whether it be health goals or professional goals or whatever it may be. And a lot of people now that we go into the end of January, are dropping the ball. They're like, you know what? I was going to do a dry January, but it's going to be more of a damp January for me now. (laughs) Some people are not going to the gym. They've been going consistently and then they fell off the wagon and that's okay. If you've fallen off the wagon, it's all right. doesn't mean that you're a failure or a piece of shit. (laughs) It just means that you fell off, which is a completely normal thing. Actually, I looked into it. Research shows that for majority of people, 80% of people, the research shows that by day 19 of any task or goal that you want to accomplish, that's when most people fall off the wagon. Whether it be going to the gym or something professionally, whatever it may be, by day 19, that's when most people end up quitting whatever they were setting out to do. 19 days and then boom, it's done. If you're in that boat, and I've definitely been in that shitty procrastination canoe one too many times or I'm letting myself down, Like when I was doing the 90-day challenge and I messed up a couple days where I was eating shitty and I felt terrible, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this moment. It's okay. I'm just going to add two more days to my 90-day challenge or your 30-day challenge or your whole 70 or whatever you're doing. You can just add time to it. You don't have to punish yourself. Just you know, keep it going. Keep moving forward and add a couple days to it or however many days you fall off, you can keep the momentum going. But when it comes to procrastinating, actually getting yourself out of bed in the morning, sometimes it's hard for me to do that. This is what's really helped me. So the first secret that's really been a game changer for me for procrastination is the 54321 method. And again, I mentioned this last week, but the countdown of 54321 sends a neurological signal to your brain to get shit started. It's like blast off. Let's go. Once you hear that one, you don't want to let yourself down. And also it just motivates you in a weird way. Hearing a countdown and actually saying it out loud to yourself will actually motivate you, give you that little push to get started. And getting started is the hardest part when you're someone who constantly procrastinates. So again, that 54321 method, it's been proven. Again, 
I don't like to just throw shit on the wall to see what sticks. I like to look into the research. I need empirical data. That's the Capricorn side of me, my Capricorn moon. I'm very logical and I like to look at stats and facts. And so research shows the 54321 method is highly beneficial if you're dealing with procrastination. The next little mind trick that has really helped me in my own personal experience, I know it's going to help you, is to break everything down. Break it down. We're talking going back to basics. Write out a list, and on that list, you're going to write the action items. So, for example, I had to respond to a bunch of emails, and that's the last thing that I wanted to do was be on my laptop. I had so many other things on my mind. I really didn't want to do that. Plus, I was just feeling tired and in a lazy mood. And so anyway, I ended up writing on my list, get out of bed, go to the living room, get my laptop, plug in the laptop, wash my face, brush my teeth. Now, it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud of breaking it down step by step by step, but there's an actual method to the madness here. The rationale into breaking down your tasks, the list, the things that you have to do into very small, actionable items is really simple. When you do something that your mind perceives as doable, your energy is naturally going to go up. Your sense of direction and drive will increase dramatically, and you'll be able to motivate yourself to get whatever you need to get done, done. And so I've been doing that, breaking it down into these little small actionable items. And I've noticed that I end up feeling a lot more motivated because, well, one, I love crossing things off a list. Oh my God, there's something so gratifying about checking something that you need to do off a list. We love a list, but I also love crossing something off of that list. It's very gratifying. And so that already starts to motivate me. But then as I start crossing things off more and more, I'm like, oh, this is doable. And so it was easy for me to get up, get out of bed, go to the kitchen, get some cleaning done, then go to the living room and start working on my laptop and answering emails. What you're also doing in those moments where you're making that list of actionable items and then you're able to accomplish things on that list is you're building trust with yourself. You're starting to trust yourself again because you know you're not gonna let yourself down. So that's been a really good feeling and I've been really working on it the last couple weeks and I've noticed a big difference in my overall mood and my ability to get shit done. And so I'm not disappointing myself. Also saying it out loud on this podcast with you right now in this very moment, it's very vulnerable for me. It's like, hi, my name is Lo and I'm a procrastinator. (laughs) It holds myself accountable because you're here with me and I'm like, okay, I'm telling my friend how I feel about what I'm doing in my life that's not benefiting me. And so you can hold me accountable as well. Be like, Lo, check yourself. Make sure you make that list. Do the 54321 method. Oh, and the last thing that has been a game changer, and this is advice that I've received from the queen. My mama has been telling me this for years, and there is actual scientific data and research that shows that it will benefit you mental health-wise. I'm talking about a good old-fashioned shower. Never underestimate the power of a shower. It really is a game changer. Even if you took one the night before and you don't need to take a shower, but if you're feeling like you're dragging or you feel like you're just not motivated to get up and start your day, even if it's midday and you feel like you're hitting a wall, go take a shower, a little birdbath moment. There's something highly beneficial about getting into that shower, getting yourself wet. It's very cleansing. It's like a fresh, clean slate, and it allows you to hit the reset button on your mind and body and then go into task-oriented mode. And so I love a shower. I'm showering a couple times a day, especially because I do infrared saunas. And so anyway, I've noticed showering is definitely a game changer, and it will help with your mental health as well, whether it be depression or anxiety, or you're just lacking the motivation to get things done. Don't underestimate the power of a shower, boo. I just wanted to share those tips with you because if you've been going through it like I have, then I know this will be really beneficial for you. All right, let's get into this week's episode. You are in for a treat because it is a true crime special edition episode of the Low Life Podcast. (laughs) 
There's this documentary called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. It's on HBO Max and Discovery Plus. There are two seasons, which is a total of, I think, 12 episodes. Each episode's 45 minutes to an hour. So if you don't have the 12 hours to watch this show, (laughs) if you don't feel like watching this, or it's not really your thing to watch a crime documentary, that's okay, boo. You're going to get a full recap on this episode, and you'll feel like you watched it without having to do that because we did that for you. I'm recapping it with Haley Arantia. She's been on the show many times, friend of the show, one of my best friends in life. Haley Arantia is an actress. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. Oh, she's an incredible creative force in the industry. She was on the Goldbergs for 10 seasons. She is hilarious, and I absolutely adore her. If there's any serial killer or cannibalism situation or some crazy shit that is going on in the world and they create a documentary about it, Haley Aranti is my true crime junkie. She is always up to date with the latest and greatest when it comes to true crime. She loves the stories just as much as I do. And it takes a lot to floor Haley at this point in her life because like me, she has seen so many of these true crime documentaries. And so it just takes a lot for us to be surprised or shocked. This documentary does not disappoint. This one floored me. It floored both of us, actually. This one I'm putting up there with top-ranked true crime documentaries I've ever seen, like The Jinx. Oh, The Jinx was an insane story. Robert Durst covering his life. Oh, my God. If you haven't watched The Jinx, this came out years ago, but it is a wild story. It was very captivating. The way they film it is great. I think that was on HBO, and this documentary, The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, is also on HBO or HBO Max. I don't know the difference. And Discovery Plus. But anyway, I was shook to my core in watching this one because there's so many twists and turns, and there's a lot to cover. It's a very interesting story. Now, I will tell you this. If you're someone who's like, I don't like true crime. I'm not about that. I don't like to hear gruesome stuff. I don't want to hear about killings and murder. And I understand that's a really heavy topic. This is not a true crime documentary that has any murder. It doesn't have any killings. There's no serial killers involved, which is a bit refreshing for me over here at the Low Life Cult (laughs) because I gravitate more towards those stories. But this one isn't a story of a murder or serial killer. There's no actual violent crime in it, but there is abuse. There is child abuse, so trigger warning for that. There is manipulation. There is lies. There's deceit. There is money wealth, narcissism, and secrets revealed in this documentary that left me as a viewer of this documentary being like, what the f*** is going on right now? Wait, what? Gay gasp. Gay gasping throughout this documentary. And so (laughs) it's a wild story. It's very interesting. And I'm like, how does shit like this actually happen on planet Earth? Of course, it's happening in America. Of course it is. So we're going to break it down for you, this documentary. It's an interesting story. Again, if you've watched it already, you can follow along with us. If that's something that you don't feel like watching, that's okay. It's a very interesting, fascinating, wild roller coaster you're about to go on with us right now. There's so much to unpack with this story that we're going to leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger because we have to turn this into a two-parter. So part one is this week, and that's basically covering season one, and part two will be next week. And so by the end of next week, you'll be completely caught up with The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. And they're actually coming out with a season three. This documentary has been taking the nation by storm. Everybody's talking about it right now because the story is insane. And so they are coming out with another season, which will be season three. And so you'll be all caught up in time for season three after listening to these episodes. I'm so happy you're here for this one. You will not be disappointed. Buckle up, Puta. You're in for a ride on this one. 
let's jump into the curious case of Natalia Grace. Hit it. You're gonna get the truth. I will pre-warn you, you might not like the truth. We were in a very tight-knit family. April 26th, 2010, that's the day that we adopted Natalia. We had no idea what we were dealing with. She's not six. She was an adult. You could just tell. And I'm like, whoa. Natalia was told her new birthday at the orphanage in Ukraine. She threatened to stab my sons. I definitely didn't feel safe around Natalia. You've adopted a kid, and now they're trying to kill you. I mean, it's the stuff of a horror movie. She tried to poison and kill my wife. One night, I opened my eyes, and Natalia is standing at the foot of the bed with a knife in her hand. And we are live in the we studio. We have Natalia Grace here. Let's bring out Natalia. Bring out, Natalia. <laughs> Could you imagine? A dream. I, honestly, everyone's on this Gypsy Rose hype. Same. I, I am on that Gypsy she's, Rose she's train. She's everywhere. We need to get Natalia up in here. We need, need to be the first. I, I want to adopt her. Truly. I've been thinking after everything that's happened, and we'll get into it, that maybe maybe we bring her in. We got a guest room. Yeah. What could go wrong? Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. So this is a documentary. But before we get into that, though, how are you feeling before we get, jump into this? In general? Yeah. Like overall, how are you doing? I'm actually doing good. Okay. I'm just bored. Yeah. Bored, bored housewife vibes. <laughs> it's the beginning of the new year. Just trying to dive back in, but like work and stuff is really slow. So like nothing's really happening. So just kind of been tootling around the house, doing some purging. Oh, I love a good purge. Oh, getting rid of stuff I don't need. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty shitty, actually. So <laughs> I feel like last week's pod, you were like, I'm doing like eight out of 10. I'm like, yeah. Yes. I'm hanging. No, actually, I am doing pretty good. I, I'm not feeling shitty. In this very moment right now, we're good. 8.7 out of 10. If I ask you in three hours, is it going to be a two? I don't. Yeah. Based, <laughs> we'll see where this podcast goes because there's a lot to cover. So for some people, this documentary might be a bit much. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think it's worth watching for anyone. I loved it. The minute, my mother, I believe, was the one that told me about it. Yes. And she said, you need to get low to listen to this. Shout out to Melody. Melody. She's a producer here, the low life. Just, she's feeding us. She's doing the research, the groundwork. Yes. And she told me about this and I said, oh, let me put it on in the background. And then I I want to say an episode in, I'm like, where's low? Yeah. <laughs> Where you drop everything and watch these two seasons. What true crime? Gives us two seasons worth of content. So apparently, and I could be wrong, the first season dropped a w- in the spring. Apparently. Was it spring or was it even? Yes, because it was two, 2023. Yeah, so it was a few months back, mm-hmm. five, six months ago, I don't know. And so I didn't I didn't really hear about it much then. No. But now with season two and all the twists and turns, now people are like, okay. Number one on Max, you can find it. It's People are going to be chatting about this. Yeah. And so starting it off, season one, episode one, and we're going to take you on the journey with us. <laughs> so buckle up. We're going to Indiana, Lafayette, Indiana, or like they lived in a, an affluent part of town, which is not Lafayette, Mm-mm. apparently. I don't know. I've never been to Indiana. Same. Shout out to anyone in Indiana. Wouldn't want to live there yeah. after this documentary. <laughs> so sorry. But I heard it's beautiful. Right. Green. Green. Lots of trees. Yeah, and and some bad people. Some, not all of them. Not all of them. But, but this specific. Oh, yeah. Combo. So there is this family. 
It is a, a Caucasian family. The Barnetts. The Barnetts. We got Michael and Christine. Yes. Is it Christine? Christine. They have three biological children. Okay. And the eldest son, as of this point in the story, they know has autism. The mother has sort of taught him, I guess, how to capitalize on his brilliance. And and she's written a book about it. And he's like a yes. child genius. They have made this child. Well, he was... I guess, born this way. He's a little genius. Right. A lot of uh, people who are on the spectrum, Einstein, Elon Musk. Brilliant people. On the spectrum, brilliant minds. I think that's part of it, actually. Yeah. And so this little boy, they saw early that he was very advanced, Mensa-level advanced. And so, yeah, the mom capitalized on that. Now, they had a daycare center. That's how they made their money. Yes. For kids with special needs? I think it was both. I could be wrong. Kids were there. Some of them had special needs right. or all of them. I don't know. But it was called like Jacob's Safe Place or something like that. Because mm-hmm. Jacob's son, Place. Jacob's Place, yes. yeah. Um, Jacob is their genius son. The other two, they were smart. Not, not mentioned much. Not mentioned much in this documentary. Yeah. Jacob was definitely one of the stars of this documentary because he's the genius level. And so Christine capitalized on the fact that he's very smart. I She really played up the fact how smart he was. He was genius level, but... He was going to college, I believe, to get his master's at like 14. Was that correct? Yeah. But she had falsified some of the information on his transcripts. We find later. We find that out later. But yeah, she had said like he was an expert pianist and he was also- Mathematically brilliant. Yeah, calculus and God knows. I'm not even smart enough to speak about the smart stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Google it. Google, yeah. Statistics. Algebra 1A. Smart, smart. I was the Algebra 1A kid in high school. Algebra 1A. Yeah, if you couldn't quite handle full algebra, they broke it up. Algebra 1A (laughs) and then 1B. And I was in 1A for like a solid year. Okay. Yeah, and then I went to 1B. I struggled in math. Don't love numbers. You don't need that. I actually don't. <laughs> you don't. I don't care about the common denominator. No, I don't leave care that for the accountants about of the world. Three point one four. I don't care about pie. Don't give a shit. I do love pie. Uh, eating it, feasting <laughs> on it. I don't give a shit about the numbers. Three point one seven four five six seven. No one cares. Dot com. Nope. If you've ever used three point one four, whatever the hell it is, for anything in your miserable life, in a day to day, in a day to day, please let me know because I've never used it. Twenty yeah. years later, I'm like. Uh, <laughs> Hasn't come up yet. We'll talk about the school system and how we need to really uh, actually. You fix know what? That. I don't even want to talk about intolerance. I want to talk about how stupid <laughs> the system. Has the system. Us. And so this kid's genius. Christine ends up writing a book mm-hmm. called "The Spark: A Mother's Story of Nurturing Genius and Autism." An extraordinary tale, a story of triumph against the odds, and it's one that the Barnett insists other parents can learn from. And so she has a picture of her son on the cover. He's super cute Mm -hmm. um, with all these little like math equations, like he's a beautiful mind. Yeah. And so she made over, I think, $650,000 on this book deal, which I'm like- Which, "Ah." yeah, for someone who, I mean, I've never heard of. Never heard of this chick. Maybe it's in that space of the world of education or whatever that she, she was like really making some waves for herself. Oh, yeah. So it's good for us to paint a picture of who this family is. They are a very, like her, her husband, Michael Barnett, runs the daycare center. It's her business partner. Mm-hmm. She's an accomplished author. She does public speaking. To who? I don't know. So reputation-wise, she's doing pretty well. Gold standard of like superhero mom. She mm-hmm. has the three kids. One is autistic. And then she brings into her life this sweet little girl from the Ukraine. 
they want to adopt. Yes. And why? We don't know. Maybe, maybe out of the kindness of their heart, but they are adamant on wanting to adopt and they find a place. Was it in Florida? I think it was somewhere in Florida. That, that would make sense. went to to go pick up their new daughter. They're being told there's a six-year-old from the Ukraine who is looking for a family. And they said, we're that family. They were in it to win it. I don't even think they really met her before. Supposedly, no. No, it was- I, I believe if we're going to talk chronologically about this, there was exchanges via email with either the previous adoptive family yeah. or the actual foster care company. Both. Yes, to make this deal, but otherwise they'd never met her in person. Why there was a rush to get this little child, this little baby girl who is all of six? Six years old. To get her adopted? Because typically it's like a longer process. Now, I will preface this conversation by saying Haley and I have both never adopted children. Nope. I don't know how the system works. So we're very green to this. And so for anyone that is very familiar with how adoption and the policies and working with an agency, I don't, I'm very foreign to all that. I don't know but any to of that, decide which most people I would assume don't. And find out in a week without having ever met the child or any, that you're like, this is it. That's to me, that's a quick process. And I also, it's did too they, quick. I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, mm. but little Natalia came with some extra things. She was disabled. And so that was something that the family was aware, I believe, going into it, that that was going to be a part of her lifestyle, that there's possibly a lot of surgeries down the line that may have to happen. She is a dwarf. Yes. Dwarfism. But she also has a condition. Natalia has diastrophic dysplasia, which requires multiple surgeries. It's over $500,000 worth of surgeries oh. that she would have to have. So it really affects her ability to walk and how her yeah. feet are formed, her hands even. She has a hard time like grasping things. Can like, barely grasp anything. Right. Clubbed and feet. Completely. If you don't have the surgery, your feet are pretty much clubbed. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard to walk, knob knees. Like it's, it's sounds like a very painful disease to have. And right. so, and it's very expensive. And so she was born with this on top of the dwarfism. And so- they said, sign us up. Well, we're happy to take it on. We're just so excited to have this new daughter in our life. Sure. So they said. And so watching it though, what were your feelings of the Barnetts in the first couple episodes? Well, seeing as we don't get a an interview from Christine herself. Yeah. I was going purely based upon photographs of the family, the basic like story of who they are, whatever. It's giving Hallmark original movie, beautiful Completely. American family. Like how could, uh, like this, this sweet family, I know I kind of already knew the context of what the documentary was going to be. So I'm thinking like you go into it with the mindset of, oh my gosh, what is this poor family going through? Like, are they about to be completely blindsided by this? Like they seem like a great all American family. They go out of their way to help like disabled children. They have like, a daycare facility. They're willing to just jump at the thought of adopting a girl no matter the extent of her disabilities. Like, yeah. seems like an amazing family. Yeah, good people. Hold, hold my beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's the thing about this documentary is they are really taking you on a journey and the theatrics of it all. They got the ominous music playing. Mm -hmm. It's like a Dateline episode on steroids the way that they filmed this whole thing. It yes. was very over the top. I will say that. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it kept me engaged though. So Completely. I get why they did it. I also think overall, this documentary didn't have to be as long as it was. They could have shortened it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So there's six episodes per season. And I think yes. they could have done four episodes. And each episode's 45 minutes or so. Is that yeah. right? So we really put in a lot of time here. I binged it. Same. I was up till four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> went to sleep, 
sort of, mm-hmm. woke up at like 7.30, 8 in the morning, continued watching it, had a meltdown in the shower, yep. and then uh, went to the Golden Globes. And so, <laughs> yeah, it was a really weird thing to watch. But, okay, so they're selling the Barnetts as like classic American family. Michael Barnett, let's talk about this guy. Because he's, Christine is not part of this documentary. So again, just videos and pictures of whatever they have of her, but she's not actually part of this. Michael Barnett, Speaker of the House here. He's like, put me in front of a camera. Oh, loves a camera. Loves a camera. (laughs) Lives for it. Now, in these interviews, Michael Barnett to me, from day one of the series, was giving over actor. Yeah, Greg described it very well when we were watching it together. He said, this guy is acting in life in his interviews as I feel I was coming off my first day of acting class, like where people are like, whoa, dial it back, buddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we, <laughs> that's not what acting really is. And, yeah. And it it was just so over the top and over dramatized that from the beginning, despite the story of like, this is a story about the Barnetts being misled, I'm like, there's something wrong with him. Same. My spidey senses were tingling too. So I was like, he's a predator. He's weird. There's something off with him. Yeah. Uh, he's very animated, very over the top, but again, loves the camera and just seems a bit disingenuous mm-hmm. from the get. But they're, I know in the documentary, they're not trying to paint him that way, but it was already. And I feel like I say this phrase a lot, but it really, the whole time he would, anytime he would talk, I'm like, thou doth protest too much. Like it just, <laughs> I do think that when you go What that does that hard, mean? Like it, Is that it's, biblical? It, no, it's like a sort of like Shakespearean era of like, oh. the more that you throw it out there, the more it's like, what are you trying to hide? Like you're doing- Oh, it's like all those closeted centers that are like, gay people will burn in hell. And, and they're it's like, like sucking dick maybe, yes, on yes, the side. That's what that means. Thou doth protest too much. Oh, got and, it. Okay. And he does. Okay. Yeah, he does. Oh, he's protesting a lot. So they're painting a picture of this little girl, Natalia, coming into their home, six years old. And right away, they notice when they give her a bath, the mom notices that she has pubic hair. So that's the first thing. Pubic hair- and there's like, wait a minute, she shouldn't have pubic hair. And then they also said that she was menstruating as mm-hmm. a six-year-old, which shouldn't have happened. Very odd to them. Very odd to them. And her vocabulary was a little advanced. So they were like, wait a minute, is this little girl much older than we were told? Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. 
and they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Vaya has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discreet packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies. 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. Now, in the context of adoption, there it's been said, even in this documentary, that... Sometimes, especially when adopting someone from a foreign country, the paperwork gets a little confusing. A little dicey. Maybe they're a year or two older or younger than what we Well, I think they always try to make them younger. So sometimes they will age them down so that they're, I guess, more- Appealing, I guess, to a family, which is disgusting to say. But that's what they mentioned in the documentary. And- you know, I, I could understand that they're like, oh, maybe she's they, she's a little older than six years old, but they were thinking she was an adult. 22 years old. <laughs> they thought this six-year-old they brought in their home was 22 years old based on pubic hair. Possibly a, a, a menstrual cycle having already started. Yes. And so at first I was like, oh my God, this family got catfished. Yeah. The way the documentary is coming off is like, this family was getting taken advantage of by some Ukrainian spy of sorts. Oh, yeah. They quickly get into the fact that not only is she probably an adult, but she is a sociopath. She's making threats against the entire family, against the other kids. She's been poisoning my coffee or- Or making attempts to. Hiding knives under her bed and saying she wants to kill us. Oh, yeah. Hiding knives. They said at one point, this is what Michael Barnett is saying, that little Natalia comes into the room- and she has a knife in her hand in the middle of the night. She stands over their bed with a knife and says, I want to murder the family. Yeah. She also wanted to murder the neighbors. She was just wanting to murder everybody. Just get, Apparently from what the Barnetts were saying is they feel like they adopted this child who I'm guessing they were, at this point they're assuming is a full grown adult. And they're thinking like the whole time she wants to murder them. I don't know what their thought process is though of like, well, what's the plan after? Like, is she just a sociopath and like a, an abused child that's now taking it? I don't know. But they have her actually psychologically like tested and- Evaluated. Evaluated. And someone said, yes, she is showcasing sociopathic tendencies. Yes. So they're saying that she has reactive attachment disorder, which I guess is very common with kids who are in foster situations where they can not get attached to people. They think that the person's going to leave them, which is very normal to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they could get a little bit aggressive. They could be violent in a way. It's their way of just putting up a barrier so that they don't get close to someone. Well, and taking 
away her age completely in this conversation, whether she's six or 22, we don't know her actual life experience prior to meeting the Barnetts. No. So having her come into the household and showing any cases of either sociopathic tendencies or aggressiveness or violence, like could just be an indicator of something really horrible that happened to her, like in her what, six to possibly 21 years prior to meeting them. Big old mystery box here. Mm -hmm. And so Christine, the wife, Michael, they quickly are like, we just got catfished by this adoption agency. Now they started telling people, we didn't even really go through an adoption agency. We just pretty much went through this one specific family that helped facilitate it, which was- The Chacones? The Chacones, yeah. Yes. The reason why they didn't want Natalia after adopting her from the Ukraine was because the husband had a bit of a change of heart and didn't really want a daughter after all, something like that. And, and I think, was there also part of the conversation that they knew her medical bills were possibly too expensive? Yes, that was I think a big that part was a too. common thread for a lot of people. But the Chacones apparently were really trying to find another family for her and not necessarily going about it the way that you would expect with a foster adoption center. They were kind of just going to like little person conventions and like yeah. trying to just sell off their daughter in a way, which I find really bizarre. The Chacones are just trying to pass off their daughter to any little couple that they could find at these little couple conventions. And there were actually a couple takers that were like, oh God, this is so sad. And yeah, we would we will consider taking her. I think the issue, sadly, and it would have been a complete change possibly of, of the scenario of her life, is that either there was one situation where the family couldn't afford it to even like adopt a child or something at the moment, even though they really wanted her. There was another couple that supposedly the Chacones had the police called on them for child neglect or child abuse, something like that. Yeah. And the Chacones thought that it was this one particular couple that was really about to adopt Natalia. There was a and this couple that was very interested in Natalia before the Barnetts even came into the picture. Yes. They're a little couple. They were very sweet. They had a little daughter who was also a dwarf. Is that the proper term? Dwarfism? Dwarf? I believe so. Yes. I don't want to screw it up. I, I don't know. I believe that's that they use that term a lot. So I'm going to assume. I know little people is okay to say. She has dwarfism. Okay. Right? That's the condition. So dwarfism and their little dwarfism daughter, the yes. little little they, people daughter. Both the, the mother and father and the daughter all had dwarfism. Dwarf family. Yes. And they're the cutest family. Very sweet. The daughter was good friends with Natalia. They got to spend a little bit of time together. And then it got a little messy because- The Chacones thought that this sort of child neglect threat was coming from this family that was about to adopt her. And so they got a bad taste in their mouth and said, you know what? We're not going to make this deal with you anymore. And so then the Barnetts came in, deal done within a week. So that kind of explains why the Barnetts got Natalia Grace so quickly. Because they're like, let's just get this- Chacones were like, we got to get this child off of our hands. Mm -hmm. We already had a failed family situation. Boom, we'll pull the plug on that to the Barnetts. So Natalia comes in and right away, there's doubt. How old is she? There's a few red flags. Like from day one, which yeah. is- Yeah. Few hours in, they're like, mm, we don't think that she's really six years old. We think that she's a full grown adult based on her vocabulary too. Mm -hmm. And so Christine, the mother, she is adamant about this. And so she ended up going to take her to get evaluated, but then also to a dentist. And they did dental imprints on her and the x-rays and everything. 
And they were able to see, should we say what it is now or should we wait? I mean, that's the hard part is this documentary over the course of two seasons kind of bounced back and forth a lot. So we could go chronologically in what happened. So yeah, we'll go chronologically. We won't reveal the dental records yet though. Okay. All we know is Christine has in her mind fully proven that this child is not a child, in fact, a fully grown adult, and is now trying to convince all of the neighbors in town, her family, everyone, that Natalia is in fact a full grown woman who's a sociopath trying to murder her and her family. And essentially that they want to try to like figure out a different scenario for themselves. So all of the neighbors, everybody is looking at Natalia Grace now as like, oh God, this little demon that's in the house. Yikes. So nobody wants to spend any time with the Barnett's because they're like, ooh, we don't want our kids around that little girl. She's not a little girl. She's a grown-ass woman, probably a Ukrainian or Russian spy. Who's who, manipulating the family for whatever reason. Which apparently was a movie. Called The Orphan. Which I have not seen. Either. But Christine definitely saw this movie. And based on everything she's saying, it sounds like she's living that movie. It's about a little girl that gets adopted, lies about her age, the adoption uh, agency lies about this little girl and she terrorizes his family. And even the scene with her like standing over the bed with a knife, that sort of thing, that's what Christine was claiming about little Natalia Grace over here. And so it's like a real life nightmare that she's experiencing with her family right now, just terror in that house. And so their whole plan now is basically how do we get Natalia out of the house? Right. She is poisoned. She's a cancer. Yep. And so they wanted to re-age her. So that's where this whole thing, this is a big part of the story, is re-aging this little girl who's actually a 22-year-old, allegedly. We yep. don't know. That's the thing. We're up, as a, as a viewer, we're as like- As a viewer, we're like, I can't believe this is happening to this poor family. Yeah. But also, I was like, is it happening though? I don't know. It's very confusing. So they end up going to court. I'm shocked that this happened. They were able to get Natalia Grace re-aged. They showed that psychological evaluation that was, by the way, done by a family friend. And then I think there was some other statement or something that was given by another psychologist or something. Possibly a doctor, or a that, doctor that, that said, we think she could be. Oh, the doctor was a family friend yes. that did a physical on her and was like based on a few indicators like pubic hair. Menstrual cycle. Menstrual cycle. Yeah. Whatever. Basically said, yeah, could seems be. could be. I think he even said 18 or something, but at least a legal adult. He said much older than, that's a big jump from six years old to 18 or even 22. 22, yeah. It's a big leap. Huge. Also, this is a really good indicator. This documentary shines a big light, a magnifying glass on how f***ed up our judicial system is. From multiple levels and departments of our system. Especially when it comes to kids and mm. foster kids. And so this family comes in, they look the part. They're very well-spoken. They show the minimum amount of information to the court or whomever. To the judge, just enough to get by, to be like, this is your requirement. We have something from a psychologist saying she's a sociopath and a you know danger to our house and threatening us. And then also here is a statement from her doctor saying she seems a lot older than she really is. Now from this documentary, I'm speculating based upon the, the little information they gave that the court didn't go check with the foster care company no. that originally did it. They didn't sit down and do extensive interviews with Natalia no. or the family. It was like, here's a couple pieces of paper. Yeah, sure. We'll jump this person <laughs> from six to 22. And they legally changed her age to 22 years old. 
Isn't that wild? Now, the idea that they were able to change her specifically to the age 22 is interesting and significant because as a disabled foster child too, I believe they had to have had her be at least 21 in order to legally not be financially responsible for her as a foster kid, something like that. Yeah, well, I believe it's 18, but now they've extended it to 21. So 21 years old, you are dependent if, you know, as a child, if you've been in you know an orphanage, foster, yeah, in the system. And so, yeah, 21. And so 22 is a very specific number. Very specific that they requested that she be made 22 years old in the eyes of the system. And there was a situation that took place that was the catalyst for all of this to happen. So once she was reaged, then the family decides to go and celebrate their little child, their their genius son's birthday. They take him to, I don't know, a horse stable or something, somewhere to milk cows, something like that. Yes. Oh, we're talking about the electric fence incident. Mm, I forgot about this. This is a big one. Big and one. so this was the catalyst to get her out of the house because- At this point, she is legally 22? Uh, I don't know if she- had- No, she wasn't. This was prior to being changed legally. They, they had not gone through the process yet to change her to a 22-year-old, but they were thinking about it. Oh, they, yeah, they wanted to do it. And they take the family to this farm for his, their son's birthday. There's an electric fence. And apparently, based on Michael Barnett, the freaking Broadway star over here, Ugh. he goes and he basically says that they go to this place. And as soon as Natalia heard, there's an electric fence that's very dangerous. And you go off to sign a waiver so you don't touch the fence. You can see the animals, but just stay away from that fence. Natalia had the look of evil in her eyes and was like, I'm about to- Drag mommy up. Drag mommy and put her into that fence. This, what, three foot tall, possibly six years old, disabled child, you're going to drag into an Club electric Clubbed feet fence. and can't even grip with her hands. Right. That Just for context. So, like, and that's important to know because what happens is the father and the sons go up ahead to the barn or whatever, and Natalia and Christine, her mother, stay behind- and that's when this episode takes place. And the, Christine yells out, oh my gosh, she's trying to kill me. That She's dangerous. And apparently she tripped. And then Natalia was trying to drag her into the fence or something like that. And the mom is freaking out. Christine is freaking out and calls 911 on her child, who again, legally right now is six years old. And says so she's trying to kill me. Send her and her sociopathic ways to a psych ward. That's what happened. Okay. We're backtracking a little bit, but she ended up going to a psych ward. She was in the children's division of this place. Yeah. Oh, yes, Haley. And Mm -hmm. that's, okay, okay. While she's in the psych ward, that's when they filed the paperwork, a petition to have her re-aged. And she was put from the children's division of this ward to the adult section. Overnight. Whenever it got processed, I think she was there for a, a total of like three or four weeks. And so the first two weeks, let's say children's ward, and then boom, oh, you're re-aged. You're now actually 22 years old. Let's put her up with the in the big leagues over here with the adult crazies. Yeah. And so she's in the adult psych ward. She ends up being released from the psych ward. And so now she's been technically re-aged legally. She's an adult now. Yep. So now the family is like, get the fuck out of our house. 
I'm all about leveling up with my lowlifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style. And I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash lowlife. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid, delivered right to your door. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers kids love it and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right, the quality is unmatched. I love it, my kids love it, the grandparents love it, and I know all you lowlifers will love it too. A huge win-win-win for my family, and it can also be for yours. Simplify your kiddo's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. So their plan is we are going to find an apartment for her. And we will, she will function as her own adult human being over there on the town over and we're going to go about our life, yada, yada. So they, Christine goes, gets her an apartment. Now I will say this first apartment was slightly more friendly for her disabilities. It was a first floor apartment. Yeah, They gave her outdoor furniture, I believe, for her kitchen and like gave her the bare minimum, a TV, would get her groceries and and then dip out. Like she's, you're on your own, lady. Basically, you have a phone, but there are no contacts in it because they wiped her contacts. She does have groceries, but it's slim to none with the groceries they're providing her. And from the word of the neighbors at this apartment complex, Christine or Michael would come and drop off the groceries on the side of the curb and essentially force her in her state to carry all of these things inside of the house and put them away herself, right? Again, she's three foot tall, has issues walking. It's not going to be easy for her. No. Even though she's in the scenario where at least she's on the first level and supposedly in the area, there's some 
easily accessible things. Like if you need a there's a grocery store, there's store, there's an urgent care, there's a few things nearby, but she has no car, no way to get around, no money, yeah. and no contacts, and no friends, and really no family. And so as we're watching this, I'm like, okay, this is a 22 year old that's been dropped off in this home and they're paying for it for her. They paid in advance the rent for her. For a year, I believe. For a year. And so she's walking into random people's homes. She's trying to get to know neighbors. She's making herself very comfortable in other people's living spaces. And the neighbors were getting very weirded out by her. She was hanging out with their kids, young kids, spending a lot of time with them in moments, possibly getting a little too close with them for the parents' yeah, comfort. Yeah, some of the parents were like, she's trying to touch my son. She's trying to touch his wiener. Now remember, you're thinking this is a 22-year-old woman who has- what, a sociopath. The, yes, and the neighbors would say around the kids played like a child, but when talking to them, had a relatively elevated vocabulary and came off sort of like a, a sort of quiet- Reserved adult, I guess. I wouldn't say reserved because she sounded like a horny adult. Oh, Apparently, there, there she was moments. making some sexually suggestive comments and making some sexual innuendos that made her sound a lot older than than what she looks like. Right. And so then what she appeared. And so she'd make these sexual jokes or sexual like- Advances even. Advances, yeah, to- yeah. There was a guy in the laundry room, an older man, and she had said something to him and he was like completely creeped out and was like, I don't want- that thing, that demon around right. me. People were like, don't be around my kids. And this one family that was trying to be nice to her was also like, mm, it got a little weird because she was excessive. She'd wait for us to come home. As soon as we got home, she'd walk right over and, you know, want to try and eat with us or hang out with us. And she'd want to spend time with my son. And and the mom, you know, mama bear, she was like, we were cool with it at first, but it crossed the line, it crossed a boundary. And imagine you're in your apartment and all of a sudden this 22-year-old woman's coming over and just like eating out of your fridge and acting like nothing's- Letting herself into your home. That's That would be weird. That That's would weird. be very weird. And she is saying, I'm 22 years old and I tried to kill my family. Because people say, where's your family? I tried to kill them so I don't live with them anymore. Oh, and how old are you? 22. 22. And I'm from the Ukraine. Okay. So- Neighbors, I understand why a lot of them were super creeped out. Yes. Major red flags were coming up for her. So they were all complaining to building management. Let's get her out of here. So many people needed to get her out of there. Like they were so through with, she was like a nuisance. Yep. And they weren't nice to her. Mm -mm. People started locking their doors, shutting her out. And so- Meanwhile, I will note that- Every now and then, if she had like, there was a donut scene, like she's back in her apartment. Oh, right. She's eating donuts or she has donuts and was watching TV in her apartment. And there's video that Michael took or Christine took visiting her in this apartment they're paying for and being like, where'd you get these donuts? And they're being very accusatory. It's almost like they were videoing to try to get more proof of like, this is a sociopathic Ukrainian spy of some kind. Like they were just coming, they would come into the apartment and just dog her and try to get information. And she's kind of in these videos giving this sort of innocent, confused look of like, I don't know, someone gave them to me. Well, yeah. And she says at first, because Michael Barnett comes in and he's automatically starts filming her. And this apartment, bare bones. Mm-hmm. Outdoor patio furniture, used as regular furniture. Got the shag carpet. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. It's a very bare bones, like slim pickings here in this apartment. Shitty. No one would want to live there. Mm-mm. And so she gets whatever groceries that they drop off for her. And then somebody gave her donuts at one point, one of the neighbors. And, and Michael Barnett, where did you get these? And he's, again, very accusatory. 
And then she says at first, they, they were here when I moved in. He's like, no, they weren't. I checked the date. The expiration date is this week. These are new. These are new. And so again, he's just coming at her and she's like, oh, I don't know. A neighbor gave him to me. And you could see she looks wide-eyed, kind of like nervous about it. Like yeah. she doesn't know what to say. But it's all painting this weird picture of like, who is this girl? How, how What is her day-to-day like? Like what's happening in that mind of hers? Yeah. And is she actually 22 years old? Because even if she is, I was, as a viewer, I'm like, okay, even if she is 22, which it's not giving 22 year old Mm -mm. energy here. Even if she is saying things that are a bit sexually explicit, it still seems, something seems really off. So I thought maybe she's 22, but has some sort of a disability of some sort. Who knows what it could be, but like, she's not, we're not playing with a full deck of cards here, Natalia. Right. Not the brightest crayon in the box, perhaps. Right. Who knows what's going on and who knows what trauma she experienced before this whole Barnett thing. Barnett thing. Yeah. Like you said, a bunch of trauma. This could be a trauma response. And so the Barnetts had also said that she, when she was living at the home, it was a nightmare because not only did she try to kill them, not only did she try to poison them, stab the sons. There was a bunch of shit she was trying to do. She was also pissing all over the house, defecating in different places of the home. Mm-hmm. And so they were just, again, couldn't wait to get her out of the house. So a year goes by, lease is up. Now, they don't want her anymore. The The apartment complex is like, bye-bye. Yeah, your lease is up. We're not renewing that lease. <laughs> we need her out of here. And so the Barnetts are scrambling to figure out where the hell to put her now because at this point, they've decided to move to Canada. Their eldest son, Jacob, is now going to go graduate from college there. He's and- all of like 15, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the whole family's like, cool, we're moving countries. We're going to Canada. And they said, we got to figure Canada. out- Ontario, Canada. Where to put Natalia. So what do they do? They take Natalia to Lafayette, apparently a very seedy part of town. Yeah. They put To her- quote Michael Barnett, it's a white trash part of town. <laughs> That's what he said. That was a quote. That's a quote. White trash, ghetto, high crime. It was like the type of town, I guess. I've never been to Lafayette, this part of Indiana, but you need to carry a, a gun. Yep. Because it's so dangerous in this area. And so they find this shitty apartment. On the second story that requires one, two, three different staircases to get just to her apartment. And then if you go within the apartment, not a single thing in this apartment is handicap accessible. Mind you, she's three foot one. Disabled. Disabled, yeah. Can't, doesn't even clear. being, could be 22, 45, 87, doesn't matter. This, this person would not be able to function properly in that environment. So already, as we're watching, I'm like, even if she is a sociopath and a Russian or Ukrainian spy and she did all these terrible things to the family, this disabled person is not going to make it here. No. And I think that was sort of the Barnett's intent. That was the plan. Let's leave her in this part of town. Oh, oh no, something happened to Natalia. She's not alive anymore. Well, one less thing we have to pay for, deal with. That was... It seems to be their mindset. Oh, and oh, this is a caveat that we didn't talk about. Oh, we have to talk about this. So the apartment is getting paid for because she's getting money from the state. That's what happens to adopt. And so because she was 22, it runs out. So what the Barnetts didn't bank on, though, this is the twist. This is why I think it got a bit messy, was they thought responsibility for Natalia ends at 22. She's no longer a dependent. But because she is disabled and when they adopted her and became the foster family, official legal foster family for her, knowing what problems she had, Mm -hmm. medical restrictions she had, if you will, and the surgeries and everything. So she is a dependent because of her disability. 
So they would be financially responsible for her for her whole life, I believe. Right. right? And so that's why they're like, oh, shit. So we're going to have to use her disability checks. That's what they did. They used their disability checks to repay themselves for her rent. Right. And gave her bare bones. So when they move her to this shitty apartment for her to basically hopefully die is what they were banking on or to get kidnapped. I mean, so much could have happened to her in this situation. They gave her food stamps. Didn't pay her electricity consistently. There was a few- Completely wiped her phone or did not even give her a phone? She didn't have a phone at one point, took it away from her. Then I think it was Michael or someone that was like, we should be able to get in contact with her. Let's give her a phone. But Christine said, let's wipe all the contacts so she can't talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. We don't trust her. And so basically she was, as the Barnetts moved to Ontario, now she's on her own. And there's a couple months, I believe, that she is- on her own in that apartment. I mean, not even food in the fridge. Until the man's family. The man's family. Oh, yeah. We love them. We love the man's family. Yeah. They get introduced to us. And to be honest, at first, when they were introduced, it kind of, for a moment, I'm thinking, oh, God, is this just another family that's like somehow diving in to take advantage of the situation? Or I wasn't sure how to feel about them. I didn't trust anyone at this point. No. And can we paint a picture of the man's family? Because I yes. feel like we've all met. Well, I don't know what the, the name of this lady is, but the man's family, this woman lives in this shitty apartment. She has like, I don't know, five, six kids, ton of kids. She has five cats, rough around the edges. She's been through a lot in her life. And Cynthia is the wife. Oh, name. Cynthia Manns. We love her because she actually felt bad for Natalia and was like, I don't believe that this is actually a 22-year-old based on the way that she's behaving. So- Anton and Cynthia are seem to be this loving couple who have five kids. Are they adopted, all of them? Or are they their biological children? But five children. Anton has a, a church that he runs, and they just seem to be these God-loving, just pouring into the community in the church and was like, we need to save this poor little girl. They are convinced Natalia is a child and has been fully neglected and abused by the Barnetts. Well, I guess we could say it now. She was found to be actually biologically a child. And at this stage, when she has been dumped in this Lafayette apartment, she is eight years old. She's a child, baby over here. Imagine an eight-year-old. An eight-year-old. And I'm sorry, but not only eight, which I keep, I just kept saying to the TV, I'm like, this is an eight-year-old. Like, despite what the documentary is trying to manipulate you to feel or possibly think for a moment of like how crazy this story is, She's eight when this is happening to her, and she has such severe physical disabilities. She can't even take care of herself if she was didn't have that and was an eight-year-old. Right. It, that got me so angry. Finding out. And so then we find out, hold up, wait a minute. She had her dental records taken. Now, we talked about that earlier, but Christine had those dental records from the dentist, and they saw that she had a bunch of baby teeth. Which is you a, can't deny that she's a child. Yeah. So based on the the dental records, and then also based on one of the doctors that they been, didn't use that paperwork for her age change. One doctor actually said, "No, no, no. This is a child." And some children, and again, she could have more pubic hair, but she definitely didn't have a menstrual cycle. We find out later that Christine had forcibly told her to insert a tampon, which at six years old, ended up causing a little bleeding. Yes. And Christine used that to manipulate Michael and everyone else to convince them that she was in fact a fully grown adult. Oh, shit. 
So at this point, the mans are now swooping in to help save Natalia because they're like, this is not a 22-year-old woman. This is a little girl who's been abandoned, neglected, and abused by the Barnetts, and we are going to press charges. Oh, yeah. And so what we discover, though, is the amount of abuse that's been happening to Natalia Grace under Christine and Michael Burnett. It is horrifying. This woman, Christine Barnett, devil. Devil reincarnate. Devil woman. Devil woman. And Michael Barnett is just as culpable because Completely. although Christine was the main abuser of the one putting the, the heavy down on her, the mm-hmm. actual physical one, Michael Barnett was watching. He was- And let all of it happen. Yes. He was definitely completely culpable and should be responsible for just as much of this as Christine is. Both of them are pieces of shit Mm -hmm. that were evil, that were actually... So what we are actually learning now, which is crazy, but Christine Barnett, this is what is going down now. Because I'm like, why did this all happen? So Christine wanted to adopt Natalia because it was part of this narrative of she had the genius son with special needs, made a lot of money off this kid. Mm -hmm. And she has her other little boys we won't really talk about, but she has her star son, she has her daycare center, and she's respected in the community. Her reputation is, I'm I'm golden mommy. Golden goose here. And so for her to then bring in a little girl from international here, Ukraine. To adopt a child this, in general. And with disabilities. She's just, yes. And maybe she has a special gift. Maybe she's a genius too. That's what Christine was hoping for. Or maybe I could make her a genius. Because Christine had a bit of a God complex and thought she could... She's this miracle mama that can turn any kid into a genius and then quickly realized Natalia actually isn't a genius. She's just at the level that she should be, which is a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. So she's reading level, comprehension level, but vocabulary, she was a bit more advanced. Mm-hmm. So that's why Christine was like, wait, maybe this is something special. But then after getting her tested and everything, quickly realized, no, she's just your average six-year-old, but has some severe disabilities. And that's when Christine was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a problem that I didn't want to sign up for. It's not fitting my narrative it is, and it's mm-mm. costing me a lot of money. Oh, it's going to cost this family two, three, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. Which is essentially her book deal. Yeah. And she needed to have more surgeries. They did get her like one or two surgeries. She needed so many more, but they didn't want to fit the bill for that. So what did Christine decide to do? And Michael as well. They painted the picture of her, of villainizing this little girl and making her the enemy. She is a Ukrainian spy. She's really 22. Sociopath trying to kill us. Yeah. And they really built that narrative up and started telling the neighbors and they had the cops called on her. And I mean, at one point they had Natalia sleeping outside on the porch and they had her sleeping outside because they didn't want her in the house. This is when she was still living with them. And the, the neighbors actually called the police on the Barnett saying it's child abuse. And so because... Christine was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to get busted for child abuse. She's actually an illegal adult. She's a monster. Yeah. Michael drinking the Kool-Aid too. Yep, she's a monster. And they treated her like actual garbage. And what was happening in the house is- Oh, shit. I mean, admittedly, even from Michael's mouth, that Christine would beat Natalia senseless. Oh, yeah. Force her to put her nose against a wall for hours at a time to the point where she is- defecating on herself because she can't go anywhere else except the wall. Yeah. Just the most extreme abuse environment. Oh, forcing her sons to piss on their daughter's bed. Mm -hmm. And so it's crazy because 
my red flags as yours were already going up watching this. Like, what the hell is going down right now? Like, they're describing all these terrible things she's done. Like, she's defecating all over the house. And she's having these, you know, episodes where she's hiding knives under her bed. But as I'm watching it in the back of my mind, and I'm sure you were too, I was like, if she's hiding knives under her bed, maybe it's because she's scared of something. And if she's defecating, that's a trauma response. That is a trauma response. And that happens in foster care situations. That is not a unique thing. Yeah. And also like when they were like, she stood over the foot of the bed with a knife in her hand, you know, wanting to kill the family. I'm like, who hasn't done that? Right. Right. I've done that. I wanted to kill my family at one point. You know what I'm saying? A part that was very questionable and we find out later in season two is that with Natalia's disability, she can barely even grasp something fully, much less a knife to be able to stab her family or grabbing Christine that time at the, at the farm and dragging her into an electric fence. It doesn't even physically make any sense. So the fact that the Barnetts were able to successfully convince not only themselves, their neighbors, the community, the but, judge, but the government literally that this was the case is wild. It is privilege at its finest. She looked the part. She's well-spoken. She came in with her perfect family, presented the bare bones of what she needed and got once her age was changed. That's when everything went completely down because now Natalia has no rights really. Right. I mean, so at this point, the man's family has found what is, biologically an eight-year-old girl abandoned in this apartment. They said, this is child abuse. We're going to have them charged. And at this point, Michael and Christine, who we forgot to mention, are now divorced, separated. Yes, divorciado. Christine had stayed in Canada with her sons and had convinced Michael to stay back in the United States. And, And there was a lot of issues happening within their own relationship and we, I believe, Christine had a deeper reason as to why she was trying to separate from Michael and to keep him there. Because at the end of the day, she's out of the country. She's not involved. Michael's the one handling anything that happens to Natalia. Who's going to take the rap if something goes down, right? Exactly. It really worked in her favor for a minute because Michael and Christine do both get charged with, well, they're Child going to neglect. go- Yes. And they're going to go to court. And as an audience member, you're thinking- Well, yeah, there's no way they're not getting charged with this. Child neglect, child abuse. Not to mention- Throw the book at them. There were two different things that they could get charged for. So Michael's trial was first. And in the documentary, they say, one, there's, if we can state that Natalia is in fact an eight-year-old at the time of all of this, we can prove that that is child abuse, child neglect. But if for some reason we are not allowed to legally talk about the fact that she's biologically eight because she's legally 22, we can still try to get Michael on the charge of this is a disabled person. Disabled and abuse. you have put them, yeah, in, in an environment that they can't thrive in. So no matter what, you're watching as an audience going, this man is going to jail. Either he's hurting this child or it's going to get under the disabled count. Boom. It's they're gonna, He's going to get somewhere. No and as will As will Christine. Throw the book at these people because they were evil. Oh, we didn't even talk about Christine deciding to pepper spray her daughter. Yes, We have so much more to tell you about this particular story. There's a lot more to unpack. We're going to leave you on a cliffhanger moment, but we are coming back in the studio, coming in hot to continue this conversation. There's a lot more. Buckle up. Buckle up for this ride. And I thought it couldn't get more twisted until it did. Until it did. And so I was wanting to piss myself watching this one. It's an emotional roller coaster. So stay tuned Mm -hmm. for next week's episode. 
Thank you for listening to this week's very special true crime edition episode of the Low Life Podcast as we deep dive into the curious case of Natalia Grace. I didn't think it was possible for this documentary to get weirder, but the universe, the Barnetts, and HBO Max was like, hold my beer. It's about to get fucking weird here. So (laughs) season two has just as many twists and turns and bombs that are dropped. This documentary waited until the very last episode, the last few seconds of the final episode to leave us on a major cliffhanger, which really sets it up for a season three. We're going to unpack all of that next week. I love hearing from you, the listener. I want to hear feedback from you. So curious to know how you feel about these people in the documentary. Michael Barnett specifically, what a piece of shit. (laughs) This guy, closeted homosexual, a narcissistic, abusive asshole who has no compassion for anyone but himself. This guy is serving up Broadway performances throughout the documentary, but in season two, he is really going for his Oscar-winning performance. (laughs) He's truly bringing the drama. I can't stand him. And so next week, we'll be diving into the rest of the documentary. Stay tuned for that. But again, I love hearing from you. So if there's a takeaway that you got from the show, there's an opinion that you have, there's something you enjoyed, something you want me to change up for the podcast, I love to hear feedback from you, the listener. It's really important for me. I read each and every single review on Apple Podcast. And it's a small gesture to leave that review, but it makes a big difference. It really impacts a show, any podcast. If you enjoy a podcast and you want to keep it afloat, and we want to still be able to deliver these episodes every week to you for free, no cost to you, the way to help a podcast out and keep it going strong is to leave that review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to do that. It really makes a difference and it does not go unappreciated. And I want to show my gratitude and my thanks to you as a listener. So the Low Life Gifting Suite, it is open for business, boo. In this new year, we have some amazing gifts from our sponsors. Shit you didn't know you need from Amazon, gift cards to Target, Trader Joe's, and some beauty products that are my holy grail that I'm obsessed with that I'm sending out to my listeners so you could be using the same shit that I use for the fountain of youth. And so (laughs) if you want a chance to win a little something, something, who doesn't love some free shit once in a while? All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It could be a takeaway that you had from the episode, something you enjoyed, something you want me to improve. I'm always down for some constructive criticism over here, whatever it may be, even if it's just some emojis, throw a dick emoji my way, a unicorn and some stars. Give this podcast five stars, subscribe to it and leave that review. Screenshot your review and send it to the Low Life Podcast Instagram page or the Facebook group, or you can DM me on my personal Instagram, which is stylelvr, but send me a screenshot of your review and I might just be sliding into your DMs and sending you a little something, something. But I want to shout out some listeners who are the backbone of this podcast who took the time to actually leave a review. First one up, coming in hot, is from McKenna Sabo. Love the last name, Sabo. McKenna Sabo. She is private on Instagram, but I looked her up and it says in her little bio at the top, it says, wife, kitty mama, smile and laugh a lot, Disney adult, believer in naps, don't need an MLM ad, but proud of you, homie, with the peace sign. <laughs> I love her. McKenna Sabo, you are our people. I love all of those things as well, including a nap and a good Disneyland churro. McKenna writes, low is life, five stars. Low and his podcasts are what I go to when I need a smile and to laugh so hard I almost and maybe even have peed my pants. (laughs) Thank you for sharing all the goodness that is you with us. Lowe's podcast stands out because it feels like he genuinely addresses us, the listener, as a friend. So much that I feel like I'm sitting across the couch with a trashy sangria in hand, just chitty-chatting about our hot mess of a day. 
Lo has quickly become my favorite person. I'm tempted to make it a life goal to meet you one day, King. In the meantime, I'll channel my inner tamale and laugh until I cry listening to the pod. Love you, puta. Her Instagram is McKenna Sabo, and she said, I'm on the gram. Thank you. Thank you for responding to my DMs, King. You are the best. I've been here since the beginning, and I'm never leaving. Oh my God, you beautiful queen. Thank you for being part of this cult and leaving that beautiful review. I really want to meet you and my listeners in person. That's why I want to go on tour. I want to do a tour so bad. I'm manifesting a tour. It's on my vision board. I want to make that happen. I just feel like it's a matter of time. It's not if it's going to happen, but when it's going to happen. And when that day comes, boo, I'm going to be there with Trash Sangria. I'm going to have the queen cooking tamales, selling them four for a dollar. (laughs) She's like, four for a dollar? All the labor, time, effort, and money that goes into making those? Damn. But I want to deal for my lowlifers. I just want to meet you and hang out and have a good time and drink margaritas and laugh. And so stay tuned because I can't wait for that to happen. That glorious day, it's just a matter of time. I have time for one more review, and this one is coming in hot from MJ.fit. MJ.fit writes, Serial killer alert, five stars. Okay, Haley, I love whole milk. Alert the FBI, I love whole milk. (laughs) She's referring to the conversation I had with Haley Fitzgerald. We were talking shit on people who love whole milk, specifically Haley. She's like, who drinks whole milk? What are you, a serial killer? Now, to be 100% honest and transparent, I grew up on whole milk. That thick and creamy whole milk, I loved it in my cereal. Now it gives me Hershey squirts, goes right through me. I can't drink whole milk now, but I'm not going to shame you for your love of thick whole milk. I just don't drink that anymore, but that's okay. And even if you are a serial killer, you're our little serial killer, MJ Fit, and we love you and your whole milk. And on that note, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Maybe pour yourself a delicious glass of leche. Get some whole milk in your system. Or if you're lactose intolerant like my ass, enjoy some almond breeze, perhaps. Maybe a margarita, some tahine around the rim, a delicious glass of wine. Binge watch the Natalia Grace documentary. Go have yourself a power shower masturbate, meditate, but don't forget to drink your water, puta. I know you're thirsty. <laughs> we, we love, love you. you. And we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>